0: Psalm 67, the heading above the psalm says to the choir master a stringed instruments, a psalm, a, a song. The psalm must here reflects somewhat on the words of the blessing uh, that God instructed Aaron and his sons to, to place upon the people of Israel in Numbers which we will be looking at as our text uh, this morning, Numbers chapter 6. So let me read God's word, beginning at verse 1. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Let us now respond to the Word of God. seen together the words of the psalmist, Psalm 30. This book, Moses is preparing the people of Israel by giving them instructions about how they are to to serve the Lord. And as they're about to move on from Sinai to the Promised Land, God then also provides them with instructions about different aspects of their worship of the Lord God. And in our text this morning, God gives instructions to Aaron and his sons and the high priests, and how they are to give God's blessing, or they are to lay God's blessing upon the people of Israel. He actually gives them the words that they are to speak in that blessing. So let us then read together from Numbers chapter 7, verse 22. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you, The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. Brothers, sisters of our Lord Jesus Christ, no doubt the words of this text are familiar to you. You hear them likely almost every Sunday when you leave the the worship service. I would assume your minister probably uses this text in the morning. And so at the end of every worship service, you recall, though, the minister raises both of his arms over the congregation and he speaks the, the words of our text. And so we leave this worship service every Sunday again with the Lord's blessing ringing in our ears. Now this morning, we want to look at what that really means. We hear it every Sunday, but do we understand what is happening when we receive that blessing? What does that really mean for us as, as we leave this place under uh, the blessing of the Lord our God? Well, first of all, it's good to remember that whenever we meet together to to worship the Lord, we only can do so under God's blessing. And so, children, you might have noticed already at the beginning of this worship service, after you had the confession in which we acknowledge our dependence on God for everything, and then the minister also this morning raised his arms over you as a congregation, and he pronounced God's blessing over you because you are God's people. We call that blessing that we receive at the beginning of the worship service, we often talk about that as God's greeting. And so at the beginning, God greets us with his blessing, and he uses words such as the words of Paul in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 2, where we read, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, well-known words with which the Lord God greets us before the worship service. Well, that greeting from the Lord tells us that we have entered into the holy presence of Almighty God. God is the one, when we come here, God is the one who greets us with His blessing. Because He also wants to make clear to us that we don't need to, to be afraid as we are gathered here. We don't need to fear the Holy One of heaven and earth. Why? Because God comes to us with His blessing. And he pronounces his grace and his peace to us. And so, what God is doing already at the very beginning of every worship service is he wants to set the hearts of his people at rest. Because even though we know that we deserve his judgment on account of our own sin and our rebellion against him, yet God he comes to us with his grace and he pronounces to us his peace. And that means that we can then also worship here in his holy presence with joy for we come into the the secure presence of the Lord God Almighty. And then when we come to the end of the worship service and we're about to to leave this place, the Lord doesn't just send us away empty-handed, so to speak, but he sends us away, you can say, with his blessing. The Lord also wants to assure us that as we go and and face this, this new week, that we can face that new week because His blessing will go with us each day of the week. He assures you, beloved, that you may do your daily work and your activities, and you may go to school, and you may do the things that you do as adults and as children under His blessing, and He will always be watching over you. And so this morning I may proclaim to you God's word under this theme. The Lord places His blessing on his people. So our theme, the Lord places his blessing on his people. Under that theme, we'll look at three things. First of all, we'll look at his blessing. Secondly, we'll look at he who blesses. And thirdly, we'll look at the blessing that he gives. And so we look at Numbers chapter 6. First of all, we need to understand that the people of Israel at this time are, are still camped at Mount Sinai. They're there for about, uh, about a year. Moses is now making preparations for the people so that they might travel from Mount Sinai to the promised land of Canaan. And so here in our text, God instructs Moses to go and to teach Aaron and his sons, because Aaron and his sons, remember, were appointed to be the high priests over Israel, to instruct them on how they are to give God's blessing to his people. God here gives them the very words that they are to use when they bless the people. Now, first of all, we need to understand a little bit here about what a blessing really is. We often talk about a blessing and the need for a blessing, but what is a blessing? One of the things that we need to understand, too, is that God's blessing is really a central theme that you'll find throughout the entire Bible, throughout the entire Scriptures. In fact, The word blessing is already used in the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1 where God reveals to us His creation and in that creation account. So you may remember that on the fifth day. Remember God created, on the fifth day, He created the creatures of the sea and the birds of the air. And when He finished creating, then Genesis 1 verse 22 says this, God blessed... Them. There the word blessing comes. God blessed them and God said, Be fruitful and increase in number. And then on the next day, on the sixth day, God created mankind. And then we read in verse 28 after he created mankind, so God blessed them, that is human beings, and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. So what is God telling us at the very beginning of the scriptures? God's tells us that all of creation both the fish and the birds and the or the fish in the sea the birds in the air as well as humankind we all depend on God's blessing in order that we might be fruitful here on this earth it is only under God's blessing that both creatures and human beings can indeed be fruitful and without God's blessing we are not able to do anything And so when we think about when God indeed blesses his creation, what does God do? Well, God sends the rain, right, to water the earth. Under God's blessing, God causes the seed that's planted in the ground to sprout up. Under God's blessing, he causes mankind uh, to bear children so that we might indeed multiply. And so what's the opposite of the blessing? Well, the opposite of the blessing is God's curse. And when you live under God's curse, it means that the Lord God withdraws his blessing from over us. And that's not a very nice, it's not a very good experience when that happens. Remember how the people of Israel, how often then they experience God's curse upon them when God at times withdrew his blessings from the nation. You see, the people of Israel, they experienced God's curse. When God, with, when God withheld the rains from coming on the, wall, on, on the land, when He caused the cattle to be infertile because of their disobedience. So when Yeshua became disobedient, God withdrew His blessings and His curse, instead came upon them. And everything that lives under God's curse is doomed to destruction. And so what it tells us is that mankind cannot survive without God's blessing. And that is so very clearly illustrated for us in in, in the days of Noah. Remember that in the days of Noah, mankind had become so disobedient and rebellious against the Lord God. Corruption and violence had become so great uh, that mankind fell under the curse of God. So that God sent the great flood and it destroyed all of mankind. Why? Because God had withdrawn his blessing from the earth. Except for except for Noah and Noah's family who were saved because they were living under the blessing of God. And so God saved Noah and his family because of his blessing and he destroyed the rest of the earth because of his curse. Think also a few generations later to Abraham and Abraham's descendants Remember that God came to Abraham and and he promised to give Abraham his blessing. And he said to Abraham, Abraham, I will take care of you and I will bless you. How? By making your children as numerous as the stars in the sky. Remember, that's a reflection of the blessing God already spoke about in Genesis chapter 1 in his creation. God promised in his blessing to Abraham, Abraham, I'll take care of you. And I will take care of your children and your descendants. Because I know that you're living in a world where there's only death and there's only misery. but I'm promising that I will give you and your children life. And so when God now comes to us, beloved, with His blessing, it means that you and I, we no longer need to live under the curse of sin. We know that we live under the curse of sin that will only lead to our destruction. But now we're able to, again, we're able to experience the Lord's loving care. And so when the Lord God comes and He gives His blessing, what He's doing is He's assuring you of eternal life. You see how important God's blessing is later on, also in the book of Numbers, in chapter 22. There you have the well-known story about the king of Moab who was deadly afraid of the Israelites. And so what did he do? Remember, he called on Balaam and he said, Balaam come and put a curse on the people of Israel. Why? Because, because of God's blessing, the people of Israel were, an, were extremely powerful in the world. And even though Israel was but a very small nation compared to other nations, and even though they didn't have a large army like other nations, had mighty armies, yet they defeated, in fact, they destroyed all their enemies before them. And the king of Moab saw what was happening, and he was terrified of Israel. Why? Because Moab under, the king of Moab understood that God was blessing his people, and God's blessing was upon Israel. And so he goes and he calls Balaam and he demands of Balaam. He says, Balaam, you must put a curse on the people of Israel so that they will no longer enjoy the blessing of their God. But when Balaam attempts to put a curse on the people of Israel, remember he wasn't able to because God intervened and God prevented him from doing so. And so Balaam attempts to curse Israel. But instead, the Lord makes Baal to proclaim a blessing over all of Israel instead. And so the point of the story is that that Israel is indeed secure and safe under the blessing of God. And so while evil and wicked forces of darkness will attempt uh, to, to remove the blessing of God from Israel, God's people do not need to be afraid because God's blessing rests upon them. That means, beloved, that the reality is if God's blessing is removed from from your life, that means that your security, your eternal well-being is also being taken away from you. It means that life here on this earth is impossible if there is no blessing for God's people. It is only under God's blessing that you have eternal hope and that you can be assured of your eternal security. That's why God then says to Aaron and to his sons that they are to bless the people. And this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Notice God gives the priests in Israel the duty to to place his blessing upon the people. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 8, Moses uh, reminds the people, remember that the Lord has set apart the tribe of Levi. In the first place, he says, to carry the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant is God's mercy seat. It's, it is representation of God's presence among his people Israel. And secondly, they are to pronounce God's blessings or to pronounce the blessings upon Israel in God's name. And then in Leviticus 9, verse 22, we're shown how the priests did that. We're told that at the end of the temple service, Aaron went and he met the people outside and, and he then lifted up his hands towards the people and he blessed them. That explains why today the minister also lifts his hands over the congregation for everyone to see that the Lord need has given his blessing to you as his people. And so when you see the hands of the minister, when you see his hands being lifted up, and then that means that everybody should indeed be watching and should be opening their eyes and looking, and, because it's a sign. It's a visible sign that the Lord God is placing his blessing on you, his people. And so in, in Leviticus 9, when the, people, when the temple service was finished, the high priest placed God's blessing on the people, And then they would return home, and they know that God's blessing would go with them wherever they went. And then finally, in verse 27 of our text, God says this, So they will put my name on the Israelites, and I will bless them. And so what God is saying is that by giving this blessing, what has happened here is that the Lord God is putting His very own name here on the people. And this blessing, you notice, repeats God's name three times in order to stress that God is indeed putting his name on the people. Now, when you put your name on something, children, you maybe do that too, right? You go to school, you have your knapsack or whatever it is that belongs to you, and you write your name on it. And there's a reason why you put your name on it, so that you claim that that's That belongs to me. That's mine. And that's what God is now doing too. When he, in the blessing, he puts his name on us. And God says here, I put my name on you because I claim you to be my people. You are my possession. You belong to me. And so God is saying also then uh, there to the people of Israel who were living among all those other heathen nations around them. So God is saying to the king of Moab and he's saying to all those other heathen nations, know this people Israel? They are mine. I put my name on them. And so they live under my blessing. And so the Lord does the same for us when we receive the blessing at the end of the worship service. Beloved, when, when we go home, what God is really doing is he's putting his name upon you. And he says to you, he says, I claim you as my very own people. And the reason that he does that for you is because he wants to send you home with this wonderful encouragement. Because when you leave this place, we're going out into this hostile world. We're confronted with all kinds of difficulties and troubles. And he says to us, because he wants to encourage us, he says, you don't have to go and leave this place alone, for my name will always be on you. My blessings will follow you wherever you go. And when we understand that, what a joy, what a comfort that is for all of those who look up to the Lord God in faith, that I may also know the Lord God has put His name on me. And because He has claimed me as His very own, therefore I know that He will also protect my life from all of my enemies. And I know that He will give to me that precious life in His eternal kingdom." Well, then, now we also need to go on and we need to look at the words of this blessing. Three times God's name is mentioned. It said that from a grammatical point of view, God's name only really needed to be mentioned once at the beginning. But no, God insists that the priest repeat his name three times. And so the same name is repeated. You notice in the English, the English translations use the word Lord spelt in all capital letters. And you may remember that Lord spelled in all capital letters translates the Hebrew name or the Hebrew word Yahweh. Yahweh is the personal name by which God revealed himself to the people of Israel in which he said, I am your covenant God and you are my people. And so the Lord God who has entered into a covenant relationship with his people is the God who comes and also gives his blessing to us. Remember Yahweh. Yahweh is the one who chose the people of Israel to be his own people. Yahweh is the one who revealed himself to, to Moses there in the burning bush And Moses says, Who shall I say sent me? He says, Seldom Yahweh has sent you that he might deliver you from slavery in Egypt. And it is also Yahweh who gave to them the promised land when he conquered it for his people. And so it is also this same God, Yahweh, who gives his people this blessing. And with the words of this blessing, the Lord says to Israel, I am Yahweh your God, and you, you are my people. And each time that God's name is repeated in this blessing, the Lord reveals a little more about the relationship that He has with His people Israel. Notice how the blessing begins. It begins with the words, The Lord that is Yahweh, bless you. So God begins by telling the people, listen, you are living under my blessing. You're living under my blessing that no other people, no other nation here on this earth enjoys other nations, they, they have their gods, and they serve their gods, because they also look up to their gods that their gods might bless them. And so you have, for example, the well-known god Baal, uh, that the people of Israel often flirted with and committed adultery with. But those pagan nations, they, they looked up to Baal, and they saw, thought Baal was the god of fertility, and that he would make them fruitful, and he would help them to multiply. They thought that Baal would make their cattle and their sheep great in numbers and he would cause the, the fields and the crops to become productive. But God comes to his people and God says, but I'm not like the gods of the other nations that are no gods. But I'm the Lord your God. Remember, I'm the one who delivered you with a mighty arm out of Egypt. Remember that I'm the God who makes, you, who makes your land prosperous. I'm the God who who causes your your livestock to multiply. And with this blessing, the Lord reminds the people that they cannot rely on foreign gods who are really no gods at all, but that they may look to the living God, the God who cares for them, the God who will shower them with His blessings. Well, the blessing continues with these words. The Lord make his face shine upon you. Some suggest that the Lord reminds Israel here about the experience that Moses had in Exodus chapter 34, verse 29. It was a situation where, remember that Moses went up on Mount Sinai. And there he spoke with the Lord God. And, and when he returned from the mountain, the people saw that his face was glowing and that it was radiant. And the people's reaction was that they were afraid. Well, when Moses was up on the mountain, the Lord in His grace allowed the glory of His face to shine on Moses. You can say that was a privilege that God graciously gave to Moses. And now here in this blessing, God also gives this privilege to all of His people. It reveals here something of how deeply the Lord God indeed cares for His people. You know, when somebody's angry... A person's face reveals their rage. And you know that you need to be afraid of such a person. But when somebody smiles at you or causes their face to shine on you, as the expression is found here, we know that that person indeed, we don't need to be afraid of that person. That person cares about me. And so when the Lord now says that he makes his face to shine upon us, In a way, beloved, that should cause shivers to go down your spine. For it gives us an incredible joy to know that the Holy God is a God who truly cares about me. That He is a God who will treat me with kindness and with tender mercy. God's face shines upon us. Then we know I'm secure. My life is safe. My life belongs to the Lord. And then the third time God's name is mentioned, the priest says, The Lord turn or lift up his face toward you. You get a better understanding of these words when we compare it to some of the words that the, the psalmists use when they talk about God in just the opposite context. For example, we read, for, we, we sang together the words, the psalmist, Psalm 30. And Psalm 30, verse 7 says, Lord, when you hide your face, yes, when you hide your face, I was dismayed. Or another psalm, we think of Psalm 104, verse 29, where the psalmist says, when you, Lord, when you hide your face, they, that is, your people, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to dust. And so you see what happens when when God turns His face away from us. When He hides His face from us, it is a sign of His anger and His wrath towards us. When God turns His face away, beloved, then we will die and we will perish. But when the Lord turns His face towards us, that is a wonderful blessing. When His face is turned towards us, it means... And he's attentive. He sees me. He knows me. He cares about me. Understands my needs. And therefore, He's also a God who wants to shower His blessings upon me. And that, beloved, that is your only hope. And if we do not have this blessing, it means that our life will only be filled with hopelessness and with utter despair. But every week, as you also come together and you worship the Lord, and, and we realize all the more how important, how incredibly important and wonderful it is to be able to worship the Lord every week again. And then when we, after we worship and we leave from this place, what does the Lord do? The Lord puts His name on you. And the Lord blesses you. And He makes His face to shine upon you. And He turns His face. Towards you. And as God's New Testament people, this blessing takes on even even greater meaning and depth for us. Now there are some who have suggested that God's name is mentioned three times, so that God is already revealing Himself as the triune God here in the Old Testament. Well, I don't think that's certainly not God's purpose. God does not yet teach His people that He is the triune. So that's not what God is is actually doing here. He's not teaching His people that He's triune. On the other hand, when we now look back at this blessing from our New Testament perspective, we can indeed say, and we can even see here, an illusion to the triune God in this blessing. In fact, we find this threefold pattern becomes the pattern. On which some of the New Testament blessings are based, and so, for example, the well-known blessing from uh, the end of uh, Second Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, Paul uses these words in that blessing when he says, "May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, referring to the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with you." There, Paul repeats the name of God three times, but then he does so using the names of the three persons: the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so today you can say that when we then also worship, and the Lord then also sends us from here, the Lord blesses us in the name of the triune God. We leave this place trusting that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have placed their name upon us, and that we may go and that they will go with us each day. And each day we may live under the blessing of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, we've been talking about God's blessings here in a more general way. But in the text, the Lord also gives three specific blessings. God says, first of all, that he will keep us. Secondly, he will be gracious to us. And thirdly, that he will give us peace. First of all, God says he will keep us. Those words remind us of the well-known words of Psalm 121. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. So the psalmist reminds us, he says, we have a God in heaven who will never fall asleep. We have a God who's always watching over our lives. And so the Lord also says to us this morning, beloved, when you leave here from this place, I am the Lord your God and I will keep watch over you. We go out from here into the world and we go into a world where there are dangers everywhere personal dangers, physical dangers. There's also spiritual dangers that we are faced with every day. And the Lord says, but I will keep watch over you. Promises, beloved, that He will care for you, and that He will protect you all the days of your life. The second blessing is that the Lord will also be gracious to us. Gracious means that, that He will treat us kindly, God doesn't need to be kind to us. For God also sees our sins. He sees the wickedness and the corruption of our own hearts. God has every right to to be angry and to treat us with the utmost contempt. But what does he do? God comes to us in his mercy and reveals and shows to us his loving kindness. And so the wonderful blessing is, beloved, the Lord God is a God who cares for his people. And in his covenant promises, he says, I will be the Lord, your God. God's grace is revealed in the most wonderful way for us in the life of his son, Jesus Christ. For we deserve the curse because of our rebellion, because of our sin. But what does he do? He gives us his blessing in Christ Jesus. And in the third part of the blessing, the Lord speaks to us his peace. Hebrew word there is shalom. Shalom, or peace, is again another very important theme that you'll find throughout the scriptures. Now, shalom is not just peace from violence or peace from war, but true peace, beloved, is experienced when everything in our life is being set right again. When God promised Israel shalom in the promised land, God wasn't only talking to Israel about the fact that he would give them peace from their enemies. That's only part of it. Yes, it was an important part, but it was only part. He meant, I will also give you peace in the sense, I will make you secure in every aspect of your life. When God speaks of shalom to the people of Israel, it means, he says, I will make you prosperous. I will make you fruitful in the sense that he spoke about that in Genesis chapter 1. I will make you, I will bless you with many children. I will give you great herds of cattle, flocks of sheep. I will give you olive and fig trees that produce abundantly. That is God's shalom, where He will make everything wonderful and prosperous. They were able to indeed enjoy God's blessing, as God intended that already at the beginning when He began His creating work. Shalom encompasses all of life, so that our whole life rests under God's gracious care. We can only experience a truly blessed life. We love it when you live under the blessing of the Lord your God. And God already made very clear, long ago in the Old Testament, that this blessing can only be fulfilled with the coming of the Messiah, who is Jesus Christ. Right? Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah says in chapter 9, verse 6, Children, you know those well-known words because I'm sure you memorized them around Christmas time, uh, where Isaiah speaks about the Messiah as the Prince of Peace. Remember, the Prince of Peace. Isaiah already is saying there it is through the saving work of the Messiah, who we now know is the Lord Jesus, that we are now able to, that we are now able to see God's blessing fulfilled in our life today. But well, the Lord Jesus, when He came, he, he came and He gave His life on the cross. He shed His blood. Why? So that He might restore peace to us with the Lord God in heaven. Because we did not have peace. Because we were people who were rebellious and stubborn, or enemies of God. And Christ restores us again to that living relationship. And so today we understand the peace of Christ in a way that the people of Israel were not yet able to fully understand or comprehend it. Today, the peace God gives us, beloved, is the peace that you have in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, we have indeed a sense of shalom in our life. And therefore, the Lord says to to each one of us, and we look up to him in faith also this morning. And when you leave here from this place, beloved, God says to you, I will be with you. I will put my name upon you. I will bless you. I will keep you. I will make my face to shine upon you and I will be gracious to you. I will turn my face toward you and I will give you my peace. Beloved, those are wonderful words, comforting words. Words that indeed should make us shiver when we hear them as we leave this place under God's blessing. God is with me. But we also need to understand, beloved, that these words are not a magical formula. As if everyone who hears these words automatically will receive God's blessing. Because this is a blessing, beloved, that is only received through faith. You know that immediately following this text in chapter 7, you read that the people of Israel gave their offerings to the Lord at the dedication of the tabernacle in the wilderness. That teaches us, it reminds us, that the proper response to God's blessing is a response of thankfulness in which we give our whole heart, our soul, our mind to the Lord our God wherein the Lord then also pronounces His blessing upon us, then we realize, even though I'm not worthy, yet I know that the proper response is a thankful response to the Lord my God. And we acknowledge, we confess, Lord, I have not done anything to, to earn Your blessing. But I acknowledge, and I thank You, and I praise You, that You've given it to me out of Your grace. And therefore, my desire is that I might praise You and I might glorify you with my whole life. Beloved, we praise him with our mouth as we declare the glory of his name and we serve him with our life, which we want to dedicate ourselves, that he might receive all the glory and that we might then also experience his blessing in the most wonderful way. Amen. Amen. Let us sing together the words of